0: Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as your scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes to us from the book of 1 Corinthians, Pew Bible, page 1387. Um, True word. I cannot find my worship books. I'm not sure where I put them, but we're going to make do with the Pew Bible today, which is great. So today the translation will be common English. And I will be starting with verse 10 from chapter 1. Now I encourage you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, agree with each other and don't be divided into rival groups. Instead, be restored with the same mind and the same purpose. My brothers and sisters, Chloe's people gave me some information about you, that you're fighting with each other. What I mean is this, that each one of you says, I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. I belong to Cephas. I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in Paul's name? Thank God that I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that nobody can say that you were baptized in my name. Oh, I baptized the house of Stephanus too. Otherwise, I don't know if I baptized anyone else. Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news. And Christ didn't send me to preach the good news with clever words so that Christ's cross won't be emptied of its meaning. Our second reading comes to us from the gospel according to Matthew from the fourth chapter. And now starting with verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John was arrested, he went to Galilee. He left Nazareth and settled in Capernaum, which lies alongside the sea in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what Isaiah the prophet said. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali alongside the sea across the Jordan Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who lived in the dark have seen a great light, and a light has come upon those who lived in the region and in shadow of death. From that time, Jesus began to announce, change your hearts and lives. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. As Jesus walked alongside the Galilee Sea, He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come, follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and followed him. Continuing on, he saw another set of brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, repairing their nets. And Jesus called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. He announced the good news of the kingdom and healed every disease and sickness among the people. These are the words of God for us, the people of God Thanks be to God for it. Pray with me. Gracious and holy God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the greater light, the sun. Thank you for the lesser light, the moon and the stars that give us rhythm and time to mark how our relationships can grow in you. This day in the hearing of your word where we reflect upon the great light that you foretold so long ago— that was fulfilled through the gift of your Son, allow us today to hear with fresh ears and open hearts what you would have us hear this day. May the words of my mouth and the collective meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Paul's words were hard to hear today. I think Paul's words are hard to hear most days. And yet we hear the beginning, or at least Matthew's retelling of the beginning of Jesus's ministry, right? Last week, if you happen to notice, I had a, uh, what was it, the um, grandma aesthetic, the beach aesthetic, or, you know, coastal grandma feel to our altarscape with fishing nets to, to evoke this image that Jesus called ordinary people into something extraordinary. And then we get to actually hear those words today because we know that Jesus was walking along that Galilean seaside and saw these guys fishing out in the boat, and he said, Hey, come and follow me. If I was busy doing something, do you think I would respond or maybe you would respond so easily to just drop what you were doing to follow someone that you did not know? But they did. And as Jesus continued walking, he saw two other brothers and said, come and follow me. And we see this yet again, that they dropped what they were doing and followed Jesus not knowing who he was or what he was about. Today, sometimes it's a little harder for us just to blanket trust that someone is going to lead us in the right way, down the right path, that their intentions are for good and not for evil, that they are not to harm us but to be for good And yet we come here because there's some element of trust that when we come here, there is going to be that goodness, that call from Jesus, that we will respond in trust to walk in the same footsteps of Jesus hold that with Paul's words to this church in Corinth, which if y'all are familiar with the geography of the area, you would know that Corinth was a port city. A lot of trading happened in that place, that people were coming from the eastern parts of Europe and from, or the western parts coming from the eastern parts, and there was this whole intermingling of cultures and languages and experiences and, and faith. And yet Paul had proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ into that place. And there was a church that was founded in that place. But as humans go, we bring our own experiences to the table, which can then cause us to try to hold on to that identity so tightly that we disagree with people who aren't the same. Now, we are only having a one-sided conversation because Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. We don't know what was sent to him or what the hope or expectation was, but Paul was responding. and, and, And it's almost as if you were reading a letter to somebody and you don't know who it's to, what precipitated it. And so we can only have some idea of what Paul was trying to say. And yet there is truth in what Paul was writing because he was talking about baptism, something relevant for us right now, having celebrated the baptism of a sweet little boy whose sister was baptized a couple of years ago in the midst of COVID who didn't get to be, you know, so fully immersed into this community, that he was talking about baptism. Whose identity are we claiming? Because they want to say, well, you know, it's similar to when John was down on the river and they said, well, I was baptized by John. And and John's like, no, 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 no. The one who's going to come after me will baptize you with water and the spirit. And it's not the hand of the person who is baptizing, but the source of that gift that matters. For it is God who gives us this gift of baptism. It is God who gives us the gift of water. It is God who gives us the gift of the spirit. It is God who gives us the light that we all carry within us. And so Paul is very clearly saying, we're not going to have this division. We're not going to decide to separate ourselves or segment ourselves based on whose hands baptized you. Because that's not what matters. What matters, it, it is God's action. It is the good news that was proclaimed. It is Christ Jesus whose life was witness to this truth, who ultimately suffered and died upon the cross. And if we claim anything else but identity in Christ, we have lessened the message of the cross. So Paul is challenging those in that little port city, not so little, to get their mind right. To make themselves decide to be one, one in Christ, one in ministry in the world, one bound and connected by the grace of God. I think that message translates beautifully to where we are today. Because sometimes we'll say, well, I'm not this, but I'm that. And if you're not like this, then you can't be like me. And and then we cause division amongst ourselves. But I'm going to tell you that by water and and the light and the spirit, your true identity is found in Christ Jesus. You are claimed by God who wants to be in relationship with you. You are claimed by a God who gives grace freely. You are connected by the power of the Holy Spirit that you are loved for who you are. And we come together to be one, one body, one bound by one identity. An identity that we claim to be light. Light that comes from the creator of all things. Light that came into the world like Christ Jesus. And light that we are to share out into the world. I was reading a book by Barbara Brown Taylor. Have any of y'all experience, Barbara Brown Taylor. Um, She's an Episcopal priest who's very well known for her preaching. And uh, one of her books, well, several of her books is that we have the opportunity to experience God in the everyday. That there are altars of God in the world if we are just open to seeing them, to recognize them for being places where God is But the book that I'm referring to specifically is called Learning to Walk in the Dark. So we don't necessarily have the luxury of living in Holly Springs, of being able to go out of our homes, look up into the skies and see the swath of stars. Am I right? Because we have street lamps and buildings and light, what I would consider light pollution, right? Right? and, and it's only when we can get to some of those remote places that we can truly begin to experience the vastness of the lights that are in the night sky. And Barbara Brown Taylor lives on a hundred acre or some ridiculous amount of land out in the middle of nowhere, and how she would walk her grounds at night. And experience the presence of God even in the darkness. And I wonder how that darkness translates for us. Because darkness could be literal, meaning we've turned the lights off and we're in the dark. I mean, how many of you have lost power in your house and all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, I did not know how dark it was or could get? Am I right? And it gets really eerie quiet because the air conditioning unit has stopped, the refrigerator has stopped, all of the humming in the background. You know what I'm talking about? And sometimes I think we turn on the light because we can't handle that silence moment. And we're looking to fill that space, to reclaim that place of comfort. I'm going to invite you and I challenge you to to actually walk through your house at night and count how many things emit some type of light in your house. I guarantee you, you're going to be shocked at the number of things that emit light in your house. And then what would happen if they didn't exist anymore? Now, this isn't the light that Jesus gives us. Let's, let's be clear because the light that Jesus offers us, this great light, is the true light. It's not an imitation like these other identity markers that we want to, to associate with. It's not something that's fleeting, that if the power source gets cut off, it's gone. That the light of Christ will continue Throughout time, throughout space, for eternity. In our baptisms, in our call to be followers of Jesus, we cling to this great light. We claim it, we name it, and we bear truth to it into the world. And we're going to help each other do that thinking about baptizing a little baby. And I think I walked around and I said, hey, this is your new little brother, right? And I even said over here somewhere, he's now your responsibility. And some of y'all looked at me like, what? Because if we as a community profess Christ as savior, if we profess Christ as Lord and we have made these vows within this space, we're gonna take them seriously. We're going to help raise Coco and Bennett and and Ben and all of the other children that we're claiming as ours because God claimed them first. And we're going to help them shine their light into the world. Not the light of the world, but the light of Christ. That they may claim this true identity and have the confidence to come